0: What's going on, guys? It is G- July seventh, and we're here to talk about rookie r- rookie running backs and potential breakout candidates for the running back position. Uh, before I introduce the guys, I just want to thank uh, you know, thank our sponsors. Um, thank you all for listening. Uh, please subscribe, give us a review, and hit that like button. It really supports the show. And uh, our, our first sponsor is WinBet um, with. WinBet, uh, you can bet $50 and get 200 in free bets. Bet big, win bigger with WinBet. Download the WinBet app now or visit wynnbet.com. And start winning today. We also want to shout out our sponsors at Sleeper. We're brought to you by Sleeper. You already play, play fantasy on Sleeper, but now you can win cold hard cash with our over-under game. Just, just head to sleeper.com backslash Sgp on your phone to join the SGpN group and sleeper will automatically match you match your first deposit up to $100 that's sleeper.com backslash SGP. and then download the SgPN app and make sure you check our relaunch merch store where you can get all your favorite SGPN gear. just go to go to store.sportsgamblingpodcast.com and again this is the sports gambling podcast sports gambling podcast networks fantasy, podcast all right so let's introduce the guys first off marcus professional nerd is that what it said on twitter <laughs> that
1: is that is sort of my uh, my whole deal right i mean i do i do fantasy football for a living so i guess that that's sort it qualifies right
0: yeah well i i really appreciate you taking the time to come on one of the nicest and most humble guys on here and i really appreciate it marcus ralph
2: how are we doing sir good Happy to be back on. Happy to be back on with everybody. Uh, excited for this. Uh, running backs, I know in the fantasy world, it's a hit or miss. People either love them, hate them, don't care for them. I love my running backs, so I'm excited to talk about some of these guys today.
0: Where can we find you?
2: Where can we find your work? FFA off I'm a writer there for FFA off I, I contribute a lot there, rankings, and then during the season, you can catch me on Lobo's FF Den. More than happy to talk fantasy football with you. More than happy to talk about football. Anything you'd like, I'm on there.
0: Awesome, Jeremy! Congrats on the new gig over at Ftn.
3: How are we doing, sir? Uh, I'm doing swell. Thanks for the con- for the congrats. I appreciate mm-hmm. it. Uh, but yeah, uh, I'm doing well. I'm doing swell in Buffalo. Just living, you know. It's not a hundred degrees as uh, Ralph had mentioned to us, but you know, it's warm. It's warm. So it's a hundred today. But- That's a good thing. It's not 100 a
2: hundred today in sunny Chandler, Arizona. So we're we're living today.
3: Yeah, oh. if it hits 100 here, we just shut down. That's too
4: warm for us. It, you know, it doesn't work like that.
0: Over under a 100 tables were broken on July 4th in Buffalo?
3: Uh, probably less. We just blow fireworks up. There we don't jump right. through tables then. <laughs> not bill season yet. Okay.
4: And, and Justin, how are we doing, sir? Good, my friend. Very excited for this show. So I appreciate the invite. Marcus, I got to say, professionals like you are why we do this stuff, man. So I appreciate you jumping in with us and, and kind of chopping it up. Yeah, I appreciate you
1: guys inviting me. Looking forward to, to the chat.
0: All right. So let's get to the main event. We're going to talk about some, some running backs that could potentially break out. You know, Jonathan Taylor will obviously help you win your league, but it's getting guys like Cooper Cup and Jamar Chase in the sixth round that help you, that really help you win the league. Um, so we're going to help you, you know, with some breakout candidates that, that we think could be some, some good grabs this year. Um, Marcus, you want to start us off with two guys?
1: Sure. Uh, well, I'll start with J.K. Dobbins, which I felt a whole lot better about until this morning, and I, I haven't listened to it yet. I know that uh, Matthew Betts, the fantasy PT, was on a pod, uh, and I haven't gotten to it. But the I guess the hint I got was that he's suggesting that maybe the recovery from injury is going to slow him down. But I'm gonna I'm gonna choose to put my blinders on at this moment and ignore anything that might have been said. I know Matthew's really smart and does a lot of good work, uh, so I'm not I'm not criticizing him at all. <laughs> I'm just I'm going back on my priors right now. Um. But, you know, this time last year, we all thought J.K. Dobbins was set for a huge breakout role in Baltimore, unfortunately suffers the injury during a preseason game. We don't see him the entire year. I I know he's going to have to split time, right? They expect Gus Edwards is going to be back and healthy again. We know Lamar Jackson is going to run the football as well, but this is still going to be an offense that's very effective and very efficient running the football. Uh, There's still... I think, fairly short on pass catchers, right? I mean, Mark Andrews is going to be there, and he's going to get a ton of targets. Rashad Bateman now presumably slides into that role that was vacated by Marquise Brown. But this is a team that we know is going to run the football. And they were they were pretty effective running the football last year despite a slew of injuries. Now, in theory, they have their guys back. So I think Dobbins, obviously, is going to take the lead. I think he gets a lot of work. My hope is, fingers crossed, that they actually throw him the football occasionally too because – I know that's a thing we hear from the Ravens every year that, you know, we're going to throw the ball more. We're going to get involved more in the passing game. I'll sort of believe that when I see it, but I do hope that they throw the, the, the ball to Dobbins a little bit, and I think that's going to boost his value. The other guy that I really like uh, is Travis Etienne, and I feel like I'm I'm part of a, a crowd here. Like, I don't, you know, <laughs> like, I want to say I'm driving that bus, but I feel like there's a lot of people, you know, elbowing for the driver's seat on that, on that bus right now. But, um, I mean, this was a guy that last year – I really wanted to see the Jaguars do something, kind of what the Browns were able to do with Nick Chubb and Kareem Hunt. Unfortunately, we didn't get to see that because ATN, like Dobbins, got hurt. Uh, We didn't see him all last year. Now he's back and he's healthy. Uh, I know that the reports out of Jacksonville are very positive. They're very excited about what they've seen from him and what he can do. Throw in the fact that James Robinson, I love the guy, but obviously with the injury late in the season – we don't know exactly when we're going to see Robinson, and we don't know exactly what he's going to be when he's back on the field again. So that really points to Etienne getting a ton of work, especially early in the season. We know he can catch the football. We know that's something we can, he can do. We saw that in college. Also, you throwing the fact that he's back with his old college teammate, and Trevor Lawrence, again, I know it doesn't always work like Joe Burrow and Jamar Chase did in Cincinnati, but maybe we can hope that it works a little bit like Joe Burrow and Jamar Chase in Cincinnati. So uh, there you go. J.K. Dobbins, Travis Etienne. Uh, essentially, well, I'm going to say a pair of rookies. No, but Dobbins had his rookie season. This will be essentially Etienne's rookie season. Uh, so a couple of young guys, I think, are ready to, to take the leap this year. Now, I, I
0: love both those calls. Um, you know, Anybody have any disputes with any of that? I think he I think he nailed it. No, I think I'm, so.
3: I'm in on J.K. Dobbins too. I agree with what Marcus said. I know I, I'm a, avoiding the injury plague that I've seen all over Twitter. That everybody says <laughs> that the ACL is the end all for one year after. Um, there's usually a de- depreciation in efficiency, but I mean we're talking about a guy that six yards a carry 6.7 per reception when he got the ball Um, in an offense that's just built to run the ball. I just, I I think both him and Edwards coming off the ACLs, I'm trusting that he's going to recover better um, just because of maybe a little bit more pure talent. Um, But I just, I'm really in on Dobbins still this year. I think that he's still a good thing and I'm all over ETN too. I like that too. Yeah.
0: The Dobbins injury happened so early and and, it was in the pre, it was, you know, it was in training camp versus happening at the end of the year, something like that, like the James Robinson injury. And I like the additions to the offensive line with him grabbing Tyler Lindenbaum, things like that. I I, I love the the Dobbins call, and I'm all in on Dobbins this year.
4: Yeah, I was going to say the only worry that I have with Dobbins, and and it's really just the beginning of the year, it's not really the end of the season, is he did have, I think, LCL damage when he had that ACL injury, so it was a multi-ligament injury. That's maybe why we're hearing some of that noise, but I'd say block it at this point. I mean, it's
1: it's been almost a full calendar year at this point since since he got hurt, so he's had plenty of time to rehab now.
0: Absolutely. All right, Justin, hit us with two.
4: Yeah, so so the guy that I think can be a breakout this year is Devin Singletary. Um, He ended the season last year a four game stretch, averaging 19 carries a game, two and a half uh, targets. Obviously, two and a half targets isn't a whole lot, but that offense is going to score. Um, I think I'm hearing a lot of things out of camp, and I'm hoping Jeremy will confirm that because he's my guy there in Buffalo. But um, I think Deming I mean, Singletary can take over that backfield. They, they brought in James Cook, but I think he's going to be more of a pass catching option for them in the beginning. So in between the 20s, getting the carries and getting the goal line touches for an offense that's going to score. Plus, we've started to see them back off of uh, Josh Allen's carries a little bit because they spent two hundred and something million dollars on this guy. So why are you going to run your two hundred million dollar investment into a wall when you've got someone like Devin Singletary, who's I don't I don't want to use the term, but a little bit expendable as a running back. So I'd rather him take that hit than Josh Allen and the other guy, the other guy I wanted to talk about a little bit. And I talked about him yesterday. I didn't put him on the list, but I'm starting to think that this could be a breakout year for Miles Sanders. The only reason I'm bringing up Miles Sanders, and I know I'm going to get a lot on, on, on this day. um, he's got to put up or shut up if he wants a second contract. This is year three for him. I think last year his efficiency metrics came out pretty good. His PFF grade isn't great as a running back, but his efficiency metrics are pretty solid. That's a top ten offensive line in Philadelphia at some point, positive TD regression. I'm still on that train that he's going to get positive TD regression. I mean, the guy had like 80 carries last year with no touchdowns. It's just amazing sometimes, or over 100 carries with, with no touchdowns. So it's, it's nuts. And I'm thinking if he pops in five, six touchdowns this year, he's a top 24 player, and that's kind of a breakout for him because I think that offense is going to be pretty good. And None of the defenses are really that scary in that conference other than maybe Washington, which we saw what they did last year.
0: No, I mean, Miles Sanders did make the comment. Do not draft me. I'm not sure if you saw that, Marcus. Um, he didn't seem very thrilled uh, about the conversation about fantasy football. That was one. That was the number one rushing offense in the league last year. It got better with AJ Brown. They got a great offensive line. What are your thoughts, Marcus?
1: Well, it's funny. He picked two guys that that I really like, and I I I lean back on the. I feel like their teams don't like them as much as as we <laughs> all do. Um. Like with Devin Singletary, I was glad to see the way he finished the season where they really just – I think they decided that they were sort of over Zach Moss, Um, and we started to see a lot more Devin Singletary, which was great. I used to always joke that for all the good things he did, it felt like he needed three forms of ID to get into the end zone, right? Like it just – he would do all these things, and they get near the goal line, and then it's like Josh Allen or maybe Zach Moss would take it or whatever. And like It's like he did all this work, and he couldn't score. Uh, In fact, I think it was two years ago. Like they had to use a trick play to like get him in the end. I think it was like John Brown threw him a pass or something. I'm like this is the only way you can score if you guys run a trick play. Uh, but I do hope I hope that what we saw at the end of last year carries over to next year because I think he's uh, I do think he's a talented guy. And I feel the same way about Miles Sanders, but it just seems like Everything the Eagles have done the last few years have been sort of trying to tell us that they don't love Miles Sanders the same way we do, that they keep bringing in other guys. They keep, you know, rotating him in and out. Uh, I think he's super talented. I would love to see him break out. I just I just want to know that, you know, that, that we're not the only ones sending him you know, fantasy love letters that, you know, it's the coaching staff in Philadelphia that looks at him and says, hey, man, we we love you, too. And we want to see you prosper. Uh, I, you know, I, I will. I'm sure I'll probably draft him at some point And, you know, if I get the, the right ADP on him, um, but I just feel like, I feel like the Eagles don't, they don't share our our love and our hopes for Miles Sanders.
4: Well, yeah. and honestly, you, you touched on it, just to add a little piece to it, his ADP is going to be, is plummeting and it's going to be low. You're going to, he's one of those guys you can get at the back end of the RB dead zone. And so it, you know, it's, it's not really part of the break, the breakout conversation, but I mean, if you're getting a guy like that, he's going to get, 13 to 16 carries a game that's that's pretty standard and if he gets some injury luck this year and plays a full a full slate of games i mean he's got a chance
0: absolutely and that's why that's why the adp is where it's at
2: and so ralph who do you got Ooh, okay those are all good ones i i i want to hop on the singletary train i do i really really do justin so i'm hoping he does uh my first one is elijah mitchell i i i know there's a lot of uncertainty around Shanahan as the coach and whether, you know, he's going to support a bell cow back. My brother actually sent me some pretty interesting facts when I, we were kind of talking about Elijah Mitchell a little bit. And the first one was he's actually supported some, some decent running backs in his day. Um, I had to like dig into some of the books and some of these pieces, but back in 2008 uh, there was this guy named uh, Slayton. You guys remember Steve Slayton? Mm-hmm. Um, he he was actually uh, 270 carries, 1200 yards, nine touchdowns, 50 receptions, top five season. 2012, Alfred Morris, rockin' rockin' season that he had, that 1,600-yard season in 2012. Shanahan was the offensive coordinator there, 13 touchdowns. 2013, another top-10 season for Morris. 2015, Devontae Freeman had that monster year where he put up over 1,000 yards and 70 receptions. That was Shanahan as well. So I think there's there's something to be said that he, if the guy can actually support that, that bell cow role, which I think Mitchell can if he stays healthy— that's that's going to be a huge guy. And I think very similar, Justin, to your to your point. His ADP was kind of slipping a little bit this offseason. Um, I, I, I don't know exactly where he falls right now, but um, he's, he's he's falling. I, I want to say into the to mid mid 20s right now. Um, but I mean, overall, what we saw from him last year in his rookie season, he missed six games. He still ended with 40. I, I want to say 47 yards away from a thousand yard season um, was pretty freaking awesome in the in the ground game efficient um fourth in the nfl and 10 plus yard carries uh only behind jonathan taylor nick chubb and dalvin cook so um all that being said 49ers have also under shanahan and never rushed below 400 attempts um and last year they were one away from 500 so i think there's definitely some some room there for him opportunity going to be knocking for him um i'm excited about him so that's my first guy um second guy is a.j dillon so i i know a.j dillon um in Green Bay, there's a lot of question marks, obviously. Devontae leaves. Um, but what we did see from him this year was a huge step. Correct, in 2021, we saw a huge step from him. Um, Jones is always utilized super heavily in the passing game. So when we look at that, he's averaged right around 60, 65 receptions uh, – targets, I'm sorry, every single year for the last three seasons. I anticipate that number jumps up this season. And I want to say his, his carries have decreased by right around 30 for Aaron Jones, I'm sorry – Uh, his carries decreased by 30 every single season uh, over the past three years. So put that into with A.J. Dillon's improvement, um, red zone opportunities. Also, just a fun fact, Aaron Rodgers every single year continues to throw over 100 attempts within the 20 yard line, continues to be in the top five in the league. I think this year we kind of see that step back a little bit. And I think A.J. Dillon really benefits from that. So those are my two guys. I, I could see some some huge things from both of them. I'm hoping to see some some Big things from both of them, so those are my two guys.
0: Uh, anyone that's seen AJ Dillon in shorts agrees with you. Um, Mark <laughs> Marcus, Kevin and- in shorts
3: though, just saying. <laughs>
0: Mark Marcus, any thoughts on those guys?
1: Uh, yeah, I mean, like, I think Elijah Mitchell's gonna be fine. I think what we saw to him last year, uh, you know, it's funny too because after the draft, everybody's like, Oh, well, how does Trey Sermon fit in? and like, the, the answer is he doesn't. Um, like it, it took literally everybody getting hurt for Trey Sermon to get on the field, and even then, uh, you know, the Niners went to Debo Samuel. So I think Elijah Mitchell is going to be fine. Uh, sort of side note to that, I I keep saying to people, um, I think Tyrion Davis Price at some point this season is going to become fantasy relevant, just because that seems to be how a Shanahan offense operates. Um. Whether it's, you know, somebody gets hurt, you know, which which happens a lot, obviously, for running backs or they just want to rotate somebody in. But, you know, the guy they drafted late this year, uh, I have a feeling that at some point during the fantasy season, um, we're going to be talking about him as a waiver wire ad. And people are going to want to pick him up. Uh, A.J. Dillon, I think it benefits you talked about Aaron Rodgers throwing the ball down near the goal line, I think with no Devontae Adams. I don't know that they throw the ball near the goal line quite as much, which I think if you had Aaron Jones or even AJ Dillon had to be super frustrating when it's like, you know, first and goal from the three and you see Rodgers drop back to throw that quick slant. Like, Hey, it's great. If you got Rogers or Adams. it sucked if you had Aaron Jones. Uh, so I think with no Devonte Adams this year, I think you see the Packers maybe line up and run the football a little bit more, which I think quadzilla is probably going to be the guy that gets a lot of those touches.
0: Yep. All right, so I just want to take uh, take another second to talk about win bets. Uh, make sure you get down on the win bet, wins bet, uh, $50 win, $200 promotion, where you bet $50. Um, a $50 bet qualifies you for up to a $200, $200 in free bets. It's the ultimate fantasy football experience. You bet $500 plus on sports or casino before July 31st, 2022. You get entered to win the ultimate fantasy football draft experience at Encore Beach Club. Including a two-night stay at the Win Resorts for you and your entire league. Multiple entries allowed. There's no, there's so much, so much to choose from. And all you have to do is download the Winbet app for or visit Wynnbet.com to get started. Offer subjects to change terms and conditions at winbet.com. Must be 21 years or older and present in a state where where play through wind bet is available. If you or someone, you know, has a gambling problem, call 1-800-522-4700. All right, Jeremy, you have two guys for us or just one?
3: One of them is JK Dobbins, which Marcus already very much alluded to is definitely on the cusp of a very big breakout as long as his ACL is good. So we'll swift to another swift with Deandre Swift. Um, I, Really think DeAndre Swift, you can argue it's not really a breakout, but he's never finished higher than PPR, running back 16, large part due to injury. We obviously know he's super talented. Um, but last year, he did kind of see a little bit of a drop in efficiency in the red zone. Um, he did only see 11 carries last year inside the red zone, aside from 17 his rookie season. Um, but a lot of that was the Lions offense that was just not very good. So I think that this year we're going to see everything that we hope for from DeAndre Swift. I mean, obviously, we're going to have to go with fingers crossed that he does stay healthy because he is – not really played a lot. Um, he's played a majority of the games in both seasons, but not the full season. But if you get a full season, I think we're going to get what we've wanted out of DeAndre Swift, which is a top five finish. Um, just the PPR upside with all the receptions, the passing game work. And I think, honestly, it's, it's going to be worrisome for the rest of that offense. I worry about like St. Brown. I worry about TJ Hawkinson. Because if, if Swift is healthy, he's their guy. He's just so dynamic. Um, he had a 51.2 elusive rating for, um, from FTN last season, which is pretty good. Um, I mean, he wasn't top. There was Like Godwin Ingamwagwe, I don't know exactly if that's how you sell his name, was higher, but obviously didn't play as much time. So for me, I'm just in completely on DeAndre Swift. Um, I know it's not really a breakout per se, but I do think he finally gets that top five finish that we've been clamoring for for years here.
0: Yeah, he's a pretty polarizing uh, figure. If you throw, I throw some price check threads out there on Twitter. And, you know, there's people that are like, yeah, absolutely. Swift is a top five, top ten guy in Dynasty. And there's other people that are like, no, like he's never done anything. Show me. And um, so those, you know, you, you get all different sides of the coin with, with Swift. Um, but I, I, I agree. And I, think- I, I, I love seeing the fact that he not only was a fantasy star with the passing game the first half of the season, but they went away from the passing game the second half, and he was just fine. He's a
3: great runner is a very good runner. I think it's underrated just because of how good he is in the passing game. And the Lions aren't really that bad. I know everybody wants to give him, like, a downside. But, I mean, that offensive line starting to shape up. We've seen Jared Goff now. Yeah, it was with Sean McVay. But, like, we've seen Jared, Mc- Jared Goff, like, do well and create a lot of fantasy production. I mean, you've got – St. Brown there. You got DJ Chark, who's going to be able to stretch that field. Josh Reynolds is there. I mean, Hawkins is there. There's a lot of talent there. And I know that also also means there's more mouths to feed. But it's going to open up that field for DeAndre Swift. And I, if he stays healthy, I really do think that we finally get that. And I think he's proven it. I know people are saying, show me. But, I mean, he has. It's just he hasn't been able to stay healthy, unfortunately. And a lot of his injuries are just freak injuries. I mean, you know, I think the one I saw was, you know, I mean, you remember he fell on this. He got a, what, it was Swift? Smith? Uh, Smith? that fell on top of him on the sidelines. I mean, you know, 300 pound linebacker falling on you. I mean, yeah, that's going to hurt. So <laughs> I just, you know, like it's tough. It's been bad luck for him, but and ultimately health does affect your fantasy production on a season long basis. But like, I just hope that we get that whole season from him because I think it's just going to be great.
1: Marcus, your thoughts. Um, So I will say this. I was, Way wrong about DeAndre Swift last year. I was worried about him coming into the season, um, and the reason he ended up being great was the exact reason uh, I was worried about him. I was like, "Well, the Lions are going to be behind. How much is he going to be involved in the passing game?" And he got way more targets than I ever anticipated. So, um, you know, uh, knowing that, uh, I think I think he is going to be a breakout guy this year. And and like you said, I mean, the key is he's got to stay healthy for a majority of the season, but. You know, I would say Jamal Williams was much less of a factor last year than I thought he was going to be. I think that yeah. that has something to do with it. The only question I really have is um, what happens when Jamison Williams finally shows up, whenever that's going to be, right? Uh, you know, they went out and they added, what well, they added DJ Chark. They've got Amon Ross, Saint Brown, who, by the way, I know he's a polarizing figure on fantasy Twitter. I love him, not just because I'm a USC homer. I think I think he's actually going to be good with jared goff uh hawkinson obviously can get a lot of targets too so i think once they get all their pass catchers sort of lined up what happens to swift but uh, i think he's too much a part of the offense for them to completely go away from him so uh i'm i'm on board with that
0: yeah and uh fun fact warren sharp posted this this week the detroit lions are the most expensive offense in the nfl uh, <laughs> 123 million yeah, Pat McAfee did a – he did kind of a countdown, and it was very good, you know, foreshadowing. The sucks,
1: out. huh? And
0: <laughs> it was like, is it the Chiefs? No. Is it the Packers? No. And, like, I'm, I'm on edge. Like, who the hell is it, you know? It's not the Cowboys. <laughs> then who is it? Well, it was the Lions. Did they um, break it
3: down where the salary is? Yeah. Like, I, is I, Goff I, still
0: on his Ram salary? Is that Probably. Why? Yeah, I think yeah. he's still like a $30 million. They, they got, got a pretty expensive yeah. offensive Ooh. line as well. They, they they got a lot of resources in that offensive line. Um, but shout out to Detroit social media. Some of my favorite videos from the off stuff are from Brad Holmes and Dan Campbell and, and uh, Antoine Randall L. There's just some really great videos you guys got to check out. So um, I'm going to go into mine and this one, I kind of double dipped cause we're going to talk about rookies here in a little bit, but nobody picked Brees Hall. And so I wanted to make sure I can talk about Brees Hall every, every year for the last six years, there's been at least 1.5 running backs in the top 12. So if you're going to get any running back to finish as an RB one, Brees Hall has got to be, you know, he's got to be one of the top candidates for that. And I know Michael Carter is there and I like Michael Carter, but Brees Hall is a different dude. And um, I I just, I think Brees Hall has a a very, very strong chance um, to finish as, as an RB one. Um, Even in a split backfield, you know, he does not have to get 300, you know, carries and all the Jonathan Taylor work. Um, You know, if you can get 240 carries, that's about 14, you know, 240 touches, that's about 14 touches a game. Um, That kind of is your, your mark for those guys that can consistently get up there in the top 12. Um, It's a bad defense. um, So we are going to see, you know, see if he is involved in the passing game. And that is probably my only concern um, because Jets expect, you know, we expect the Jets to be in negative game scripts, but um, he is a, a very good pass catcher. He's not just a good, you know, just a good rusher. Um, and all the, you know, all, he had a lot of production in the passing game. And my other one, we're going to get three out of Jeremy's four pictures back there. It is Javante Williams. I know they they signed Melvin Gordon, and that's really helped uh, Javante Williams' ADP because um, his ADP was just crazy. And especially in Dynasty, he was going as like the RB2. Um, So it's put a blanket on that. And now he's a little bit affordable. Um, You're not going to get Najee Harris last year, kind of a workload. And if you, you know, if you're expecting that you should probably, you know, calm down, but this is going to be a very good offense. we got Russell Wilson, Cortland Sutton, Jerry Judy's healthy. I mean, this is, this is a good offense and they had a lot of goal line touches last year. Um, Javante Williams only had 30 goal line touches last year. He had less, you know, less rushing attempts than Melvin Gordon. Um, expect him to take the the one A instead of the one B in that backfield, and uh, and Javante Williams can, you know, easily. He, he looked special last year when he got the touches. Um, expect him to take a take a big step up this year. Marcus, thoughts on on Javante, Brees Hall?
1: Love love Javante. Uh, was less excited when Melvin Gordon returned. Um, I mean, I just, I think what we see this year is, is very similar to what we see last year. Uh, Javante was what I think RB 17. I think, I think he bumps up to, uh, you know, he gets in the top 15. Maybe he knocks on the door of the top 12, but I just think that, that having Melvin Gordon there kind of puts a cap on what his ceiling can be. But I do appreciate that uh there's been a corresponding ADP dip because uh you know I, I think the hype was such that before Gordon came back, we would have been talking about Javante as a mid first round guy, I think in a lot of drafts. Um that obviously changed because he's gonna be splitting time and and uh you know I would think what best case scenario, it's like a 60 40 split in favor of Javante. But I think they're going to they're going to divvy it out pretty evenly there. But I just I love him overall. And whenever Melvin Gordon moves on, hopefully after this year, then it's definitely to the moon. Uh, Breeze Hall, I think, is going to be fine. Um, you know, and it's funny. We end up talking about the two Carolina running backs, right? Because Javante and Michael Carter ended up sharing time at North Carolina. Now you got Michael Carter and Breeze Hall sharing time there in, in New York. Um, I do think Breeze Hall is going to be the leader there. This is another year I stop and I sigh. This is another year where I look at the Jets and I'm like, I'm weirdly intrigued by this. And, you know, like I did this last year and it was not great. And now I look at it again and I'm like, I'm weirdly intrigued by this. And, you know, I, who knows, maybe I go out and I get Breeze Hall somewhere or I draft Garrett Wilson somewhere. Um, you know, I think there are interesting pieces. And what I love about them is that you don't really have to pay a huge price to get any of those guys. And I think that to me is what it would be different if I was sort of intrigued by the jets, but I'd have to spend a lot of draft capital to get them. I'm intrigued by the jets and I can do it for a fairly good value. And so that to me uh, is, is what what gives me the thumbs up on those guys. So uh, earlier in the show, uh, before we got
0: on, uh, we talked a little bit about Baker Mayfield. So I didn't mention it earlier, but just wanted to get your thoughts, Marcus on the Baker Mayfield trade and how that affects some dynasty piece,
1: pieces, mainly DJ Moore. Um, I mean, I think DJ Moore is the guy who, I guess, he benefits from it. But I don't even really know how much. Um, I guess, I guess the question you have to ask and answer for yourself is, how much of an upgrade over Sam Donald do you think Baker Mayfield is? And I think he's an upgrade. I don't think he's a significant upgrade from Sam Donald. I think, I think he is, as the kids would say, he's mid. Right, like he's he's you know like as a, as a good friend of mine like Baker Mayfield falls in the category of uh, oatmeal as a friend that I would say right like oatmeal is fine it's fine right it will do the job it will fill you up it's healthy it will get you through the day when you go out to breakfast with friends and family, you're not ordering oatmeal. It's not exciting, <laughs> right? And that's Baker Mayfield. He's kind of oatmeal. And so, you know, DJ Moore has been a guy who's kind of been hanging around the top 15 of fantasy wide receivers. I don't think that changes dramatically. Um, you know, I mean, look, for as much as we like to dump on Sam Donald and he's an easy punching bag, right? Like, there were moments where you're like, oh, I sort of get it. I understand why this guy was drafted where he was. Now, he had too many of the, what the hell are you doing out there moments. Um, but again, like Baker, we saw that with a lot of, we saw a lot of that with him. Uh, let's also throw in the fact that Ben McAdoo's the offensive coordinator, which I don't know how that excites, if that excites a whole lot of people. So, You know, DJ Moore gets maybe a small bump, but I don't I don't see it being significant. I also wonder, you know, you talk Dynasty. What is the future of Baker Mayfield in Carolina? Is this a stopgap? Do they believe they can rehabilitate him? Because they they they've sold us that same story with Sam Darnold. Like they keep telling us how much they love Sam Darnold. And every time I hear that, I'm like, are you trying to convince us or you like who are you talking to right now? Uh, And I just wonder, is it is it going to be that way with with baker mayfield where they you know they see a guy who's broken and like you know somebody in a relationship like i can fix him i can make him better <laughs> um and i'm not i'm not sure that that baker is much better than than what we've seen from him so far
0: well and they paid significantly more for sam Darnold than they did yes, for Baker they mayfield and the also re-
1: they, they, they took they picked up his extension like, like immediately immediately. Like, immediately and it was like that was look man again i'm a usc homer and i was kind of like really <laughs> we don't, mm, I don't know
2: about that. So The wow. question is, is does Baker get DJ over four touchdowns this season? <laughs> that's, that's the question. Oh, <laughs> Anything no, over that is a win.
1: I'm going to say yes. I'm going to go out. I'm going to say that, yes, he scores more than four touchdowns this year. Okay.
4: Yeah. Yeah. I was actually listening to, this, to a CBS podcast this week. They were talking about uh, the passing offense in the Baker Mayfield trade. Um, the Panthers only had 14 passing touchdowns last year, which I knew their passing offense was bad. But like when I heard 14, I was like, holy cow, I did not know it was that bad. <laughs> and like, you got to think Baker at least goes over 20, right? And, and DJ Moore actually had a 25% target in the green zone, um, which was where the red zone and touch in the end zone comes into play. And so I think, I think we definitely, I agree, Marcus.
0: Well, if, if we don't see a touchdown by week four, Odo Beckham Jr.'s father and D.J. Moore's father like, <laughs> putting out a mixtape and yeah, um, getting D.J. Moore out of town. D.J. So, Moore's uh,
1: going to start learning, fun, you know, like Final Cut Pro and stuff, you
0: know. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so, so, Marcus, let's talk about the the running backs. Um, again, I talked about it. Usually there's at least one running back that ends up in the top 12. Um who, who do you think is an, an instant impact rookie this year?
1: Um, see, I don't know if he's instant impact necessarily, but like I was gonna go Brees Hall, you know, I was gonna go some of these guys at the top of the draft, you know, that that I think are gonna be in good spots. But the guy that I, I keep coming back to that I think is gonna have a sneaky good year is Damian Pierce. And mostly because who is there in Houston to run the football? I mean, any of you guys could probably show up in Houston and maybe work your way into a few carries <laughs> here and there just because it's wide open right now. Um, so I think, you know, if you are the Texans and you are still a ways away from really truly being competitive, why wouldn't you at some point, maybe not week one or week two, but at some point early in the season, look at your rookie Damian Pierce and be like, hey, look, what do you have? What What can you do? Can we build around you? Because they already have seemed to, uh, they seem to really sort of be building around Davis Mills. And uh, side note, I will make the case that Davis Mills might have been the best rookie quarterback last year. Agreed. Uh, You know, I know statistically, I think it was Mac Jones, but but Davis Mills, with what he had to work with and what he was thrown into, might have been the best rookie quarterback last year. Um, They're building around him. Uh, You know, they've got. They've got Damian Pierce in the backfield. Everything else is really wide open there. So I have this feeling that we're going to see him just sort of pick up numbers based on volume more than anything else. Uh, So while, you know, while I get it, you know, I I understand the Breeze Halls. I understand Kenneth Walkers. I understand all those guys. I just think that, you know, maybe we should give Damian Pierce a little bit more love just because he is in maybe a better situation than just about anybody, at least in terms of opportunity. I won't say, you know, wins and losses because the Texans are going to stink but in terms of just opportunity and potential uh, Pierce might have a better shot than anybody
0: anybody anything else on Pierce all right Justin what do you got
4: yeah, so this is where I brought in my homer pick, and that's Isaiah Spiller from the Los Angeles Chargers. I mean, so I think I have I have really enjoyed the Chargers process over the last couple of years, not the results, the process when it comes to the running back position. Obviously, we've got Austin Eckler there in the backfield, but they've thrown some resources in there because you need to spell him from time to time. He does get banged up. Um, Joshua Kelly's not it. That was not a great pick. I was hoping that he maybe turned into something that is they need to kind of jump ship and just get off of that one. Roundtree has some has some ability, but I think he's a six-round pick for a reason. He's kind of a special teams guy. So they bring in Isaiah Spiller, who I thought was potentially more of a third-round pick than a fourth-round pick, um, and they were able to get him there. Um, the Chargers had 423 rush attempts last year. This is an offense that moves at the top five pace in the NFL. Uh, Austin Eckler has come out on record and said that he kind of wants to be in the low 200s when you're talking about carries. So you're talking about potentially 200 carries that could be split out over – Two other, Three other guys, so that's Joshua Kelly, Larry Roundtree, or Isaiah Spiller. I think Isaiah Spiller is going to come out of that pack, and he's going to look really good. And knock on wood, I never want to see Austin Eckler step off the field, but he does have some things that could pr- crop up with, with a nagging injury or two. Isaiah Spiller could be a bell cow for the Chargers in a really high-powered offense. So he's the guy that I'm kind of thinking could be a breakout and should be on rosters for sure this, this coming fall.
0: Marcus, thoughts on Isaiah Spiller?
1: Yeah. I mean, I just think he's one of those guys where, especially if you're drafting, you know, if you're late in your draft, you always want to try to get guys who, uh, you know, if if things break right or break poorly, depending on how you look at it, that they are, <laughs> let's just say they are one play away from a big, a big opportunity. And Isaiah Spiller is certainly in that spot. Like you mentioned, Austin Eckler is going to do most of the work there, but If something were to happen and he can't fulfill his duties in that backfield, Spiller steps right into it. I mean, it's and I think it's a better situation than was it was a couple last year, two years ago when Josh Kelly came in and and Josh Kelly had that big week like early on like the week week one week two right like he had a a really big game we're like uh oh here comes josh kelly and you know now i sit here and i have to like scratch my head to remember, like is that his name again like that was that's kind of where it's gone but i think isaiah spiller is kind of a different dude than that um so i think he'll get some consistent work but you know if something were to happen to austin eckler then then the floodgates open and there's a lot of chances for him to to be productive
0: yeah, and I like Lombardi over there. We saw what he did with Mike Williams and implementing that same style of offense. And I just picture Spiller as the Ingram to Eckler's Camara. And maybe I'm just being hopeful, but I'm all over Spiller. Um, and before we go to you, Ralph, just one more. Uh, we're going to talk about Sleeper real quick. Um, we don't want to forget our partners over at Sleeper, it's the fastest growing fantasy platform today with millions of players probably have already played your fantasy league on Sleeper. I use it myself. It's a game-changing product, unlike anything else in the industry. Now you can make money on Sleeper 2. By playing the new over-under game, it's super simple. First, in any sport, choose two or more players that you like. Pick an over-under, for example, number of points in basketball or hits in baseball. Then choose the amount of money you want to enter into the contest. If you pick correctly, you can win anywhere from two times to over 20 times the money amount. Main reason I'm excited about over under on Sleeper is that it's the only app where I can join my buddies' contests and play together. It's got it's got a built-in group chat where I can see and copy my friends' picks and tap on the button. It's insanely fun uh, to write it out together. Uh, stop what you're doing and download the Sleeper app now uh, to play the new over under game. Have fun with your friends, make some money um, on your on your mobile phone. You can use this. You join our listener group on Sleeper at Sleeper.com. Sleeper.com backslash SGP and Sleeper will automatically match your first deposit up to $100. The right to join our squad and get a 100% deposit match at sleeper.com
2: backslash SGP. All right. Ralph, what do you got for us? I got the boring pick, but the one that I actually really enjoy and I'm looking forward to it. But Kenneth Walker in Seattle, I think, is really intriguing to me. I think with Russ gone, we don't really know what to expect out in Seattle. And I think part of that with, with that mystery also comes, you know, Kenneth Walker, and we know Rashad Penny can be effective when he's on that field. That when is a very big question mark. And so I I think Kenneth Walker will have that opportunity right off the bat, very similar to what we're talking about with Javante and Melvin to kind of be that one, a one B duo there in Seattle. And I, I also think it's very, it was, it was such a slap in the face to Russ that they went out and got Charles cross, you know, with their top 10 pick and in, in that O-line. And I think they're they're focusing on the right pieces there. And so I think Kenneth Walker will, ha- will have the opportunity. And, you know, my bold prediction is that he comes out and gets 20 receptions this year um, due to, to, you know, what, what people think that he can and can't catch the ball. But um, I think Kenneth Walker has a good opportunity this year. And, and I think it's it, it'll obviously depend on on Penny. But as long as Penny's healthy, I see that 1A, 1B. Penny goes down. Kenneth Walker is going to be the man there. And I mean, you know, best of luck to Chris Carson. I hope he's recovering well, but reports are that it doesn't look like he'll probably play another down in the NFL. And I hope he does really take care of himself. And I mean, with that, it really only leaves Penny and and Walker. So um, I'm excited to see how that, how that backfield unfolds.
0: Yeah. And in the future, I mean, with Geno Smith and Drew Locke, um, you know, maybe they're um, tanking for, for Stroud or whatever. You want to say second for Stroud. Um, it, it could could be a really good offense uh, next year. Yeah. So even if he you know doesn't have the the best season this year, it could be an improving offense. Marcus, what are your thoughts about Ken Walker?
1: Uh, I like him. I mean, I just I think he's another guy who's in a good spot because yeah. as much as. Uh, as much as Pete Carroll wants to talk about sort of you know progressing and doing new things, like he when it when it comes down to crunch time, he's still going to run on you know hashtag establish the run. He's going <laughs> to sit there on the sideline, he's gonna chew his gum like a maniac. He's going to run the ball on first down and second down, and then on third down, he's going to be like, "Hey, Geno Smith, come save us." Um, I said Geno Smith because I don't think Drew Locke's going to get the Anyway, Drew Locke, Drew Lock got ethered by the, but he caught a stray from the U.S. Open tennis account, right? Like that, yeah. that just doesn't bode well for him being the starter in Seattle. Um, but I, I think I think that that even with Rashad Penny there, I think Kenneth Walker is going to get a pretty decent workload. But like you yeah. mentioned, I mean, uh. Penny's the whole story of his career has been missing games because of injury. And while what he did at the end of last year was amazing, uh, it's hard to completely ignore all the other years that we have uh, in our back pocket about him. So I think Walker's another guy who sort of like Damian Pierce is or or even Isaiah Spiller is in a good situation to end up with a bigger workload than maybe we're anticipating just because there's a good chance that at some point during the year he's going to end up as a starter or something close to it.
0: Yeah, someone was asking about you know Rashad Penny, and it's like you look at it. He, the guy says it was like 600 yards in, in four years, and about 400 of them came in the last six games of last year. So it's really hard to be super excited about him. Um, Jeremy, who do you got for us?
3: All right, so I'm gonna make Justin maybe Marcus mad, but <laughs> I do live in Buffalo, and I agree with Marcus. I don't think the Bills like Devin Singletary as much as we do. Um, (laughs) They've tried to replace him with Zach Moss or at least supplement him. And then this year they decided to do that with James Cook as well in the second round. Both aren't very big guys. So I can't say that one's going to steal more of a goal line role or not, but Devin Singletary hasn't been overly great on the goal line. We've seen like Marcus had alluded to, we've seen Josh Allen, we've seen, uh matt brado we've seen zach moss we've seen frank gore all these guys try along the goal line so i think that ultimately james cook is going to be more than just a receiving back that everything's alluded to at the moment i do think that james cook will have the ability to work into a larger role um i mean he has produced 2,000 total scrimmage yards over at university of georgia along with 20 touchdowns um now is he going to primarily be a running back or a pass catching back? Yes, I do believe so, but I think that you could see some work in the run game. I mean, Zach Moss and also Matt Breda saw almost over 115 uh, carries last year on top of what Devin Singletary also did. So it's not just a one-man show there in Buffalo. So I think that even with a hundred carries and you see there's even open up over a hundred targets from Colt Beasley and as well, Emmanuel Sanders moving on and all they brought in was Jamison Crowder. And I like Jamison Crowder, another guy though, that has injury issues. So for me, I think that cook can be used in the slot. I think his versatility is going to be the key to him, like getting a lot of work and ultimately he is an injury away. Maybe Devin Singletary starts to, you know, kind of, slack off a little bit he doesn't really produce a ton you could see devon or you could see a more explosive cook step in and then take over a little bit more for the bills on an explosive offense that i think there's gonna be a lot of upside for him especially if the bills do steer away from josh allen like justin had alluded to in the run game especially in the red zone i just think there's a lot of potency to this offense that we don't know what it's going to look like under ken dorsey so it's It's going to be similar, I believe. I think there's still going to be a lot of passing, but if that's the case, it's even better for Cook because he is supposedly a receiving back. So I just think that there's a lot here for James Cook. I know that a lot of people, I feel like he's very polarizing at the moment because a lot of people either love him or you hate him, um, especially at his ADP. I just think that there's a lot of upside built into James Cook. I know that it's maybe not what Brees Hall can bring you. It might not be what Isaiah Spiller brings you if he's fully healthy because he is going to split touches, but... I just, I still think I may not him. I think that he's going to be worth it, and at, in the long run, I think that he could possibly finish as a top twenty back in the this season.
0: So, so, so Gabriel Davis isn't going to get all those touches that Dynasty Twitter no. wants him to get.
3: I love <laughs> Gabe Davis. He's great. I understand, <laughs> and for what he almost, keyword almost did for Buffalo, I will always love him. But I don't believe that he's going to get uh, underrated TikTok targets. account.
0: Underrated TikTok account, Gabe Davis. Go check it out. Um, <laughs> and, and back to the U.S. Open. I don't know if you saw it, but DK Metcalf actually stepped in. And uh, the U.S. intern. The <laughs> US team, like, that's enough. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> the intern said... Uh, after reviewing your draft photo, I I, I changed my mind and apologized. Yeah.
1: Basically, it was like DK Metcalf was watching his teammate get beat up in an alley and was like, "Hey, hey!" That's <laughs> enough, <right?" laughs> like... He, just, he took his shirt off and he was like, "Stop it!" Right? <laughs> Everybody's like, "Okay, we're cool." Yeah. <laughs> so, so Marcus, thoughts on James Cook? Um. Well, I say at the ADP, I, I would do that all day because the, the risk is very minimal. I think I think at least early on, I think it's going to be a battle between he and Zach Moss to see who's going to be behind Devin Singletary. Now, as the year goes on, I'm curious what his role is going to be. Um, I mean, I will sit here and say, I know that people are, are planting the flag one way or another for James Cook. I'm going to just sit here and say, I truly don't know. But again, with where the ADP is... It's merely risk-free, so why not? Why not throw a couple of darts at it? And if it turns into something, great. If not, you really haven't lost out on much of anything. So I think that's that's sort of my unofficial official position on James Cook. And I would say you didn't make me you didn't make me mad. You just you just hurt my heart, reminding me that the, the Bills don't necessarily <laughs> love Devin Singletary the way I, I
3: do. <laughs> I love Devin Singletary a lot, and I'm a Bills fan. I just I I don't know. I just feel like they don't love him. You know, I just.
1: Everything they do suggests that they don't love him the same kind of way. You know, like at some point we got to take the hint from the teams, right?
0: <laughs> yeah. Well, go check out SGPN Fantasy. We put out a, a, a tweet earlier today. And in, in this, we asked sixth round running backs. And ironically, Elijah Mitchell, A.J. Dillon, James Cook, and then Clyde Edwards-Alaire were, one, were there. So the question is, which one would you take in the Dynasty League? So make sure you guys go check that out and answer. Um, mine is, is Rashad White. Um, So Tampa Bay running back out of Arizona state. Um, This was an offense that threw the ball a lot, 731 passing attempts last year. Um, It's a top offense. The running back got a hundred, the running back position got 138 targets. Uh, 84 went to Leonard Fournette and uh, 29 went to Gio Bernard. 13 went to um, brick hands, uh, Ronald Jones and the tight end position also received quite a bit. Uh, 89 went to Gronk, 57 to Bray, 21 to O.J. Howard. And the tight ends are still going to get theirs. But if we don't see Bray get a significant increase, those targets typically correlate to the running back position. And Rashad White profiles as a great receiving back. Um, he had over 10 yards, 10.6 yards per catch last year. And he had over um, over, f- over 450 yards receiving. Um, he's someone that you know. He's a. Some people want to compare him to, to early, uh, early shades of David Johnson. I don't know about all that, but he is not only a good running back, but he is a great uh, receiving back. And uh, and I just I like what he profiles out there. It's 16 touchdowns last year. So um, not only did he get a bunch of yards, but he still
1: got in the end zone there in Arizona State.
0: Marcus, what are your thoughts on Rashad White?
1: So I mean, I think he, you know, I, I think his value i think where, where he makes an impact is probably as a pass catcher which is sort of weird because leonard fournette has become the pass catching back that nobody thought like yeah i wonder if the jaguars front office looks at and they're like who is this guy like this isn't the same guy that we <laughs> drafted right like it can't be um but you know with ronald jones gone i think white kind of slides into there and he he can be an effective pass catcher early on and you know everything the, the bucks have done in the past Sort of suggests that they don't really want to have to lean on Fournette as a bell cow. I think they did in part because Bruce Arians just didn't like Ronald Jones for whatever reason. I don't know if I don't know if Rojo kicked his dog or what the hell what the (laughs) hell happened, but they just they just didn't get along. Uh presumably Rashad White's gonna get along better with his coaching staff than Rojo did uh with his coaching staff. So I think that's that's sort of the big plus right there. And it's an offense that projects to be pretty good again this year. Like, yes, I know Gronk's not back, um, which, by the way, I don't know that yeah. Cameron Brate Yeah, yet, right? <laughs> I, should, I guess I should throw that in. Uh, I don't, I don't know that Cameron Brate like snaps up all those targets. I think it's going to be some sort of combination uh, of guys. You know, I, I know I've seen a lot of people talking about Cade Otten. Um, we'll see, but I, I think, I think. I mean, look, I, I I'm, you know, look, I know that we've seen some rookie tight ends kind of be decent. Uh, you know, obviously Kyle Pitts had a, a really good year last year. Uh, we've seen some other who uh, Pat Fryermuth had a pretty yeah, good year yeah. last year. But I mean, on the whole, let's let's just keep it a buck, right? Rookie tight ends generally don't give us a whole lot. You can cherry pick a few examples here and there, but but by and large, there's just not much there. So uh, I feel like whoever replaces Gronk's production it's going to be sort of a team effort where you know maybe a little bit goes to Mike Evans maybe a little bit goes to Brait, maybe a little bit does go to Otten maybe some of it goes to Russell Gage uh maybe some of it goes to Rashad White so maybe that's the opportunity there for him to step in and, and get those those opportunities but again if you're talking redraft I think even if you're talking dynasty I think I think the the price is sort of right but you're not giving up a ton uh and you're hoping for that upside to hit and if it doesn't all right. Well, you know, you're not you're not really out a whole lot.
0: Yeah, he's a early second round rookie pick. Like two, I think I picked him up like two hundred one, two hundred three in most of my drafts. And yeah, it, Dynasty Twitter is a very emotional group. They're a very <laughs> reactive think? group, um, and they are always very hopeful. I think that they answer every Twitter poll based on their roster and not with their head. Um, they're just it's a very emotional group, and everyone is trying to thrust Kate Otten. Into this spotlight,
1: explain this to me, right? Um, it feels to me like Dynasty Twitter is always preparing for a season that never comes, <laughs> right? Like, like they're always building rosters for a season that never arrives. I mean, like, it to me, like, the peak of it was someone suggesting that hey, you know, maybe you consider selling Jonathan Taylor. I'm like, wait, what are we doing here? <laughs> like, 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 yeah, one great year, and we're talking about maybe, maybe thinking about like. What are we doing? Like, at some point, like, I, I get it. Like, you know, everybody wants to try to be ahead of the curve. It just it just feels like uh, they're out there, you know. I guess it's true, right? Because, like, like, tomorrow never shows up, right? When tomorrow gets here, it's today. And I feel like that is sort of the mantra of Dynasty Twitter. Yeah. There's,
0: there's a lot of people out there that, you know, I tell everybody as far as advice, if you put a poll out there, just understand the, the young, the youth is going to win the poll every single time. Every time because that's not their roster, but when it comes down to it, and you look at their actual teams, they're drafting Leonard Fournette and James
1: Conner. (laughs) Don't
0: buy this BS that they're taking Rashad White and and Damian Pierce over those guys because they want to win now. And of course you got those other guys that do, and your your roster looks young and beautiful. um, And and you're going to have great draft picks next year because you're going to stink.
2: I mean, that's exactly what's happening right now to Zeke, right? I mean, we're seeing Zeke drafted at RB eighteen when he hasn't had a season under an RB ten.
1: The Zeke slander Um, has gone way too far. It's gone way too too far. far. I agree one hundred (laughs) percent. It's gone too far now. But I'm
4: I'm I'm loving it because I'm picking it up everywhere. Uh, I would pick uh, it up everywhere. I mean, he was bad uh, last year, and he was like, what? He finished like eight. (laughs) (laughs) Right. Exactly. <laughs> <And he's bad. laughs> he
3: is that he's just plays he always plays games he's i think i don't know i don't quote me but i probably has the most games since entering the end he's no, not the, the right, right position he doesn't miss a ton missed. of games so yeah he's not explosive and he's not like woo the fancy toy but like he's there and he scores a lot of touchdowns and he I also just, just scores touchdowns
1: I, I also easy. just feel like Tony Pollard to me is like you see guys that are really great in smaller doses and all of a sudden they get a bigger workload yes. and they're just not as efficient. And, and look, I could be totally wrong. Maybe Tony Pollard really is that dude, but uh, the way fantasy Twitter talks about him, it's like, let's just, let's Barry Sanders you know, is on the bench. <laughs> right? It's, it's like, it's like, Hey, remember, remember that time Zeke jumped in the Salvation Army pot? Let's just leave him there and put Tony Pollard in. Like that's the <laughs> whole like the FD attitude. And I'm like, you know what if Tony Pollard really is only good with like eight to twelve touches a game? like what happens if he gets 15 touches a game and then falls apart? like where's your God now at that point yeah. So I don't yeah care.
0: everybody every fantasy analyst thinks they're they're smarter than the NFL head coaches and how they use their players. Um, yeah well I just want to say thanks Marcus. you've been very gracious with your time. Uh, I really appreciate it. Is there anything you're working on or anything that everyone needs to go check out?
1: Uh, you know, just check out our podcast. Uh, if you don't know, I, I work for this small mom and pop organization called the National Football League. And uh, <laughs> we do a podcast right now once a week, myself and Michael F. Florio. Uh, so you can find that, you know, any of the normal places, Stitcher, iTunes, Spotify, all that kind of stuff. Uh, so check us out there. Uh, I'm sort of kind of mildly hibernating right now. And then, you know, we, we crank it up for real. In fact, I think Fantasy Live, NFL Fantasy Live, we're doing preseason shows in starting in mid-August. I believe, don't quote me on this. I believe August 15th is our first uh first preseason show. So uh, you can check that out on NFL Network. And then you know, before you know it, the season will be here and I'll be on your television five days a week, whether you want me to or not.
3: Yeah, <laughs> looking
0: forward to it. I actually, have Michael coming on the show next week. We're gonna do the same thing, but we're gonna do it with receivers. Um, so everybody, thank you for tuning in and uh good luck this season.